Welcome back, Art World. Uh, we are coming to you from downtown LA, and across from me is Miss Art World. What's up, everybody? <laughs> and we have a very exciting guest with us today. We have Cheyenne Sauter with Art Chair LA. What's up, everyone? How's it going? I'm good. Yeah. Um, thank, thank you for yeah. welcoming us into your. Is this your office? This or? is this is my world, Miss okay. Art World. <laughs> yeah, we're sitting in our office. It's um, as you can see, it's very open format. Um, I have a staff of one, two, three, four, five, six um, at our chair, and we kind of all sit here and share ideas. And um, for those who can't see it, it's kind of covered in brick. We're sitting at a very old, kind of turn of the century building, so. You know, we have all the creaks and the and the and the movement of being in a crazy building. And then right outside, we have like a running freeway of cars going by constantly. And um, yeah, so we'll probably hear a lot of that throughout the evening. I love it. Um, I was just up when we parked to get here. I just looked around. There was art everywhere, just huge murals. And I was in heaven. And Catherine's been down here before, and so she's like, come on, Lisa. And I was like, but I want to take all the pictures. This is so cool. Like, what a great environment to come to every single day. Yeah, yeah, and you definitely hit it on a gorgeous sunset night. Yeah. Like, oh, a backdrop of the city hall right behind you, and then you have beautiful human mural of the bloom flowers. I called it. I was like, you that's did. a human piece. <laughs> she got real excited. Yeah, and then UTI has the Abuelita mural mm-hmm. facing to the east. So, yeah, just Tons and tons of culture at this cross section yeah. of Fourth and Hewitt, and of course, Art Show's building is adorned by Michael B, who's a um, an artist who's been in LA for like five, ten years, um, and so we were happy to have his work. But yeah, the the energy and the vibe down in the Arts District is is undeniable. Like, if you walk downtown LA, you see you don't get to see the sky. You have buildings that kind of reach mm-hmm. up around you and you're just kind of looking for your sliver of the sun and trying to not be in the shadow of all the buildings around you. And then you come to the Arts District and all the buildings are no no higher than five stories, maybe eight stories in some areas. And so you just get the sky as well as you get that neighborhood feel and then the murals everywhere, even on the sidewalk. So it's definitely been a great place to be for the years I've been here. And you're the executive director. I am. Here. How long yes. have you been? So um, there's debate on that. Oh. Um, <laughs> I've been officially executive director for five and a half years, um, but I started six months beforehand um, as an interim director for free to try and figure out if this organization had a viable future in it. So um, those six months, my husband counts and my board of director counts, but I don't count. It was kind of um, time that was lended to me by mm-hmm. the art gods to to fix ArtShare. Wow. Yeah. What was your background before coming to ArtShare? Have you always been in the art world? Um, were you more on the business nonprofit side and that's how you came to be? Uh, I don't know. What's your what's your yeah. background pre so, art chair? So um, there is a pre art chair. I am an old woman. 
Um, so I have about 15 years, 20 years of nonprofit art um, experience. That is very hard to believe. I'm going to be honest. You, I know. You, know. you just said you're an old woman, and I was like, no, but she looks I so have young. I know. I was like, I old woman, that. like, okay, like, is, are we calling, like, 32 old? Like, <laughs> like, come on. Don't do me like that. I'm going to be there soon. Looking good. Yeah, Thank you're you killing it. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I started in the nonprofit field, like, years ago, and I always thought I wanted to do international work and relief work so I started at Human Rights Watch and then kind of rolled all over the place and got kicked around and knew that nonprofits and serving and supporting um, people that had different needs a variety of needs was something that I wanted to do I come from a very low-income background myself so nonprofit and service oriented um, support is something that I needed growing up so it just made sense to me and when you're low income, you don't see that there are other job opportunities. Like you don't know that engineering is a job. You don't mm -hmm. know that the presidency is a job. You you know what you kind of see. So nonprofits was always true to my heart. And then um, I always just kind of, I don't know, like ended up hanging out with the artist. Totally not on purpose. It was not an intentional um, career move, but um, just gravitated towards these kind of funky people. I'm not an artist myself, um, so I was always like honored to be in their presence and like loved how they thought and um, always had great conversations. But I learned early on that I had a knack for helping them organize their thoughts and helping them kind of talk about a big plan, but showing them what the first three steps of those plans are gonna be. So I just kind of always got pulled into the art world because of that, because of my patience and my ability to kind of decipher the vision and like articulate the vision. And um, so I actually was a part of a crew of people that started the Downtown Art Walk and Gallery Row, which is down the street in downtown LA. Wow. About 15 years ago, or wait, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> time goes in like loose yeah. timeline. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, don't sort. No me. one's fact checking. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, and so then, like after that, kind of imploded in a in a beautiful like ray of glory. I left the art world for about five years to kind of get more experience and learn more about nonprofits, and then got pulled back into ArtShare when a dear friend of mine took over as board president, and he called me and said, fuck, what did oh. I just do? And I was like, let me stay, let me come in, let me see if I can help. So um, I wasn't, I, I was never an executive director before, and I wouldn't be an executive director if it weren't for ArtShare giving me the chance and me giving ArtShare the chance, so it was kind of like a match made in heaven. About five six years ago is it because you didn't want to be in that level as far as your title or so I'm a woman in the growing up in the 90s um, me too was a daily occurrence for me um, women and men held me down in a lot of job opportunities throughout kind of my career and there was never um, there was really never, like I never had a champion that was like, oh, I see something special in your mm. sweetheart, come with me. If it was, if they did do that, they were definitely trying to like harass me in a sexual way. So I always wanted to be the boss and I know that, I've known that I've had the attributes and the ability to lead and the vision for that, but no one ever gave me the chance. So I had to kind of throw it out there to the universe and tell the board of directors of ArtShare that I needed to be their executive director 
and they needed to take a chance on me. So, yeah. I love that. I, uh, that's well, incredible. As Thank you. Women ourselves, that's something that we're constantly thinking of because I know, if, as far as myself, I'd love to be. I would love to be in a supervisor level position, but you know, when you look at the higher ups, um, a lot of them are male, and so it's kind of a daunting. Yeah. Am I ever going to get that chance? And so it's great to have you as a, a role model for women to be like, no, you can't have those very high up positions and be the boss and yeah. be in charge. And and I think I've become a really, um, and you'll have to interview the staff people to verify this, but <laughs> I think I've become a very amazing boss and a manager that only sees the positive and helps to, to better the negative and and lifting people up to feel empowered and find power in their own selves so that they could take my job one day. Like, I, I think I am here to make better board members for the world and here to make better staff people for the world so that they can kind of carry on the passion that, um, that yeah, that I think Archer has and I have, so. Yeah, I, I had female bosses that were such bitches. Like, they <laughs> would hold me down. I got accused of having affairs with bosses, even though I was Dang. being harassed. Mm-hmm. Like, women, fuck, they just cut me down. And I was like, if I ever have the ability to have the power, one, I'm going to hand it to people who are, do not have the power, marginalized communities, um, people who don't have a voice. How could I hand these people the voice that I was privileged with? And then also, how could I give women the position and the power to be able to take it over one day. That's great. You're incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. I just feel like so many times too, I mean, I find just sometimes women, when they're bosses, they almost look at at other women as competition and Mm. not as, I I don't know, I'm your supervisor. I want to help you get there. I want to help long-term see this vision through. Well, and it becomes this like catty thing too. It does, yeah. I'm not going to tell you you pissed me off, but in three weeks, you're going to learn. Like, I'm going to show you. And it becomes this, like, weird competitive, I don't know, grudge that we hold against each other when really we should just sit down and be like, hey, what's going on? Like, Well, and in reality, we should be teaming up together because, I mean, when you look at so many of our organizations, I know Catherine and I have seen this in our most recent organization where it's there's groups of men helping other men move ahead. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and where's their competition? Exactly. Come, yeah, that's crazy. So I think what you're doing is incredible and Thank a great you. role model. It's fun. It's really yeah. fun. And I love, I, I love being that, per, like as I get older, it, like I'm, I, I'm open to that. And mm-hmm. it's really, really cool to have younger people come to me with, for advice. And, you know, I don't know. It's really a moving experience for me, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Thanks. Can you talk a little bit about ArtShare for people who don't know anything about it? Yes. Yeah, ArtShare is pretty dope. So there's a there's a long history. We've been around for 21 years, and um, we had kind of a hiccup in the during the recession time where a lot of our programming, which was focused on after school programming and kids, kind of went away when all the funding dried up. So we refocused the building to be a support system for the neighborhood. So we are sitting in a 28,000 square foot building, which ArtShare owns. Um, We're one of the only nonprofits um, in this neighborhood for sure, but in downtown that owns its own space. That's huge. Yeah, it it really kind of, it helps with like longevity and risk 
assessment. Like all of those factors kind of disappear when you own your own building. It sucks when like the fire alarm beeps and it costs $8,000 <laughs> to fix it and you can't call oh a landlord. But yeah, it's all kind of relative. Um, so about five or six years ago, we saw a huge shift happening in the neighborhood where the rents were going up, artists were being displaced, people were being evicted, and we decided that this space needed to be kind of a safe haven for artists to constantly be developing and, and showing. So on the second floor of our building, we have housing. We have 30 low-income um, lofts. They're kind of small units for artists to reside in. And artists can, once they qualify for the low-income housing, they kind of stay forever, and they can be any kind of artist. They could even be, you know, they could. we have a writer, we have musicians, they could be a winemaker, like any kind of creative endeavor. Okay. Um, and then on the bottom floor, we have two art galleries, a theater space, three classroom spaces, and art studio space for six artists. So what we've done is we've taken every square inch of our building, and we've made it... Um, accessible, equitable, and affordable for artists to come in and develop, create, perform, exhibit, kind of all of those those uh, bits and parts that you need to process art and the process of creation, including exhibition and performance. So um, we think, and because I'm not an artist, this kind of holds true to us, we think that all artists, if given the proper resources, space, and tools, can really explore, develop, and become something fantastic that could be financially equitable and financially gainful for them without the confines of like those stressors of like finances and you know all of that stuff. So it's been, um, and with those programs, we've been able to be somewhat financially sustainable because we're renting our space out. So we have a bit of income from that. Um, and then we do a lot of creative things to, to kind of patch up the rest of the income structure throughout the year. So, but that's what ArtShare is. We are known as um, a safe, equitable, supportive environment for people to just kind of explore and see what their art is going to become. So. Wow. And you, you guys are celebrating your 21st birthday we coming are. up. We are. Yeah, most nonprofits celebrate their 20th anniversary very golden <laughs> very fancy 21st is way more fun yeah exactly <laughs> i was like birthday. balloon drop and champagne yes please. yes please. And <laughs> i don't think i ever did my 21st so i was like we gotta yuck this yeah. up yeah, yeah. so yeah it it'll be interesting so if someone wants to attend your 21st birthday hmm. where do they go uh to find out that information um, so our website has all the information that you need. Um, it is a gala event. Our goal is to raise about a quarter of our annual income, um, which sounds scary, but our, inc our annual income is not very big. Um, so we tickets are $100, but we do have artist discount tickets for $50. And if you email us and have the strength and courage to ask for a bigger discount, we will say yes. Oh, wow. Um, we love for people to come to be at this party. And um, the people that donate the $5,000, $10,000 sponsorships, they are a little, they're not as, um, they don't, they're wearing suits, and then when artists come and people that we love and see every day, they're not wearing suits. Is that a good way to say it? That's equitable. That That's yeah. very nice. Yeah. Um, and so bringing those two populations together and converging them with um, champagne and whiskey just just 
adds to the vibe. Um, I go to so many galas every year where you have to sit with your, your legs crossed and mm -hmm. you have to have two forks going and the whole thing. And we really just kind of, um, yeah, we want it to be fun and accessible and for people to have a good time with us. Is it uh, like a sit down dinner or is it just come drink champagne? You have a silent auction. Mm -hmm. Um, performances is it you just wander around yeah so um, we'll probably activate like three quarters of the downstairs um, we have a photo booth cr taken by Rush um, Viara who is a uh, world-renowned like commercial artist so he'll be doing a photo booth in the front office space and then um, we have tacos that'll be passed and kind of passed vegan food and then um, a life drawing class and a violinist in the corner and a DJ and just kind of like pop-up activations everywhere. So it's really kind of cocktail style. And um, after we do the champagne toast, balloon drop, we're going to have jello shots and pizza come in as well. So I saw the jello shots and I was so like, fun. hey. <laughs> <laughs> so we're excited about those. Um, we were going to have to make them ourselves in my kitchen and we realized that that was a food um a food health hazard yeah, so we had <laughs> yeah i was like oh shoot um so yeah we're we're very professional with our jello of shots yeah um but yeah it's just a good night for us to like celebrate the artists that support us and we have a really great silent auction happening where you can get well-known gallery um level upper echelon artists as well as the artists that we represent um emerging and kind of up and coming so you it's definitely good deals on a lot of great artwork as well so from your website you talk a lot about um having emerging and upcoming artists and not charging a fee to submit their work so they don't have an excuse not to submit their work is that a key part of your mission is um, the emerging artists and how are you how is your um, artist set up I'm asking lots of questions in one question <laughs> is it a membership or is it just like any random artist can submit yeah I so I think when I think of art as a non-artist I think of freedom I think of like no barriers just explore what can you create what like what would you do if you were given a park and any tool you needed to create something like go so the minute organizations say it costs ten dollars to submit the minute they say it has to be a three foot piece or less or one foot you know 12 inch um, 12 by 12 piece the minute you start putting those constraints on it you start depreciating the the exploration and what the potential or freedom of the art could be so when so that's kind of like one side and that's just a philosophy that's intrinsic to me and believe you me if we charge 10 to 20 dollars per submission which is the going rate in LA um, we would not have to do a huge fundraiser um, but I just I'm, I really hate watching artists try to kind of channel their passion and have to dig into their own pocket to do it. It drives me crazy. So, um, and then again, like I grew up kind of poor. So like anytime I had to pay to do something, that was a barrier for me. So, okay, that that's one part of it. <laughs> the emerging and up and coming. Um, so I think what 
amazes me most about artists is that they have the ability to create something. Something's inside of them and they put it on a canvas or they can put it on a stage. And I'm just like in awe of that, right? Then they have the courage and the wherewithal to show it to people. Like that to me blows my mind. Any artist that has the ability to like be like, here it is. (laughs) And hey, look, like fucking blows my mind. Like they deserve to be on a pedestal. So I... I don't think there are enough opportunities for artists who have just vomited something beautiful to show their work in a gallery. And so that's what ArtShare is here to do, to show them that it's possible to um, to take that next step and, and show it. And then when they see their work on the, on the wall for the first time, the pride that they feel if they sell it, oh my God, the tears that they shed. Like I've just created a life in the arts world. I've just created like a being who's like, impassioned and emboldened to keep going and keep digging in now the majority of the artists that hang here or perform here do not become upper echelon gallery museum selling artists and and i think that's okay i think we're also showing them that there's no regrets so when you're 60 70 80 you don't turn around and go man i could have tried like we're giving people that shot we're also showing people who have just left the college and the high school track of this like kind of staid, especially in college, a very staid professional, like white walls are painted every Tuesday and like the lighting is gorgeous. We're showing them what the real world is and our gallery is not pristine, but it's beautiful. Um, we are, you know, we don't wear white gloves when we hang art most of the time. Um, but. I, I think we're we're here to kind of give show people there's a real world process that happens with art and it takes a lot for it to get up on the wall. We all, we don't close when we're hanging or installing a gallery show and I think that's really important to show people that art does go on the floor at some point on bl- on packing blankets but you know somebody had mm-hmm. to hang it. Um, I've also, when somebody wants to buy a piece, I've taken it off the wall and handed it to them so they can feel what they're actually buying. Like taking artwork off the pedestal is really important to me. Um, And that's just as an art lover and art buyer. So I think when we focus on emerging and kind of up and coming, it's about breathing more life into. We're kind of like the the, um, A team or like the, the beginning team for some of the upper echelon art galleries. Do you ever have like a very well-established artist apply and you say, no, no, this isn't for you? Or do you just like, come on in, it's yeah. fine? Yeah, I think before we used to cap it, we kept the price so nobody over $5,000 could submit their artwork. Um, we've become more lenient as um, we've changed our programming a bit. So now we're letting kind of more well-known artists come. In the show that we have up now, Yerne Brown is in it, and he had a solo show at CAM, um, California African American Museum. So we are starting to see like a lot more um, like the diversity of scale come in, and I think we're we're open to it. but we still provide that space for the emerging artists. Mm-hmm. And we do that, we have a couple of programs on site and then we also hang at local coffee shops and breweries and places in the neighborhood where artists have kind of that exposure and we create that accidental audience for them. Are you the person that juries the shows? Oh goodness, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no I'm happy to say I don't. Um, so 
in the last year, year, um, we brought together a group of experts. Um, there are five, now six individuals who are, uh, come from a, like a lot of different walks of life. There's an art critic, a publicist, um, a curator, an ex-gallery owner turned um, designer professional, and a couple other people who um, review the artwork and then curate the shows. From there, then staff on hand, myself and um, the gallery staff, will call the artist and kind of piece together the show based on space and stuff like that. So I would say we, we design the show once it's been curated. Okay. Yeah. But no, I'm scared that like, I don't think I should ever, I don't think many people should be the arbiter of cool or like the decider, <laughs> the decider of what society. I want that means. title. Yeah. Arbiter of cool. Do it, girl. Thank oh, you you. Gotta say it, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm going to introduce well, myself on here. <laughs> uh, so what do you think is the biggest issue or thing that emerging artists need to overcome right now? I So if I were an emerging artist coming to LA right now, I would be so overwhelmed by the saturation of artists mm -hmm. coming to LA. It overwhelms me when we open a portal to do a submission or a call for artists and we get like 300 submissions in a couple of days. I'm overwhelmed by how many people are trying to like make it as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, I think artists need to be flexible and nimble and like really be willing to take their creativity and plug it into different roles in their life and not just put it on canvas or not just put it in front of um, a microphone. Okay. That's good. There's tons more though. Like, I don't know, like LA's tough, right? Like LA doesn't hand it to you. You really have to work hard for Los Angeles to give you anything. And I'm from here. Mm -hmm. I, I won't give it to anyone like you have to work hard and show that you love it here and you appreciate the landscape and you appreciate the heat and the you know traffic and stop bitching and you know just dive in and get your hands dirty and then um, stuff will start yeah coming That's, to you uh, when we interviewed Christine Shoemaker mm -hmm. she said that LA is a do-it-yourself art community yeah and I, that really stuck with me because really if you want to get your work shown you have to be the person that's like transporting it and putting it up on walls doing a pop-up gallery marketing yourself totally. like it's all on you to try and make yourself make your work seen yeah it's well, for sure the hustle yeah and then on top of that if you do get yourself into a gallery on a saturday night for a reception you're five, six, ten oh. other options that you have that night. I mean, yeah. just this past Saturday, we had four different invites out. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's just like, it's so hard to get everyone out there. It's not like you're in a small town in, I don't know, Arizona or Oklahoma where there's one exhibit going on. Yeah. And you have a show. It was on my list to go to, but it fell on a night where there was a bunch of other ones. What's Rude. Your, I know. Ooh, wow. Miss Art World. <laughs> I would have I would The come. world. You're a liar. The I'm world. the arbiter of cool. Okay. And I think you're pretty cool. <laughs> it looked really interesting, though. I And I can't remember the title of it. What's the buzzsaw? Yes, yes. buzzsaw. Oh, yeah, you, we did talk about that. Yes, one. yeah, I well, was aware. You were here. <laughs> you can see it. I will open the gallery yes. for you. Yeah, yeah, it's a really, really cool show. So the the, the thought behind buzzsaw was um, the guy that we're honoring, Mark Walsh, is a metal worker, 
and um, creates these like really amazing 2D, really 3D, but they're on the wall um, sculptures and Do you just, like the faces? I've seen his work. Yeah, faces and like bodies and like yeah. boobs and yeah, it's really it's it's really intricate and neat. I've stalked his Instagram. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, he's. He's an interesting guy. So we're honoring him, and so we wanted to elevate and, and highlight his work. So we thought having a show that kind of connected and supported his work would be great. And then, of course, that movie just came out, Buzzsaw, with Jake Gyllenhaal. I definitely thought that's what it was So to. Yeah, so we had to do that. And we have a piece in there, like, if you get too close, you might die. Like, yeah, I'm there's out. a fingerprint, like, on the inside <laughs> of the sculpture. And I was like, hmm, maybe there's someone in there, like, yeah. trying to get out. So, yeah, the show's really cool. I think it's um, 15 different artists who submitted their work. And um, uh, George Tesudas, um is really the breakout artist of, of the show. He's a, a forger. He, he makes the shoes for the horses. Guys, horse. Okay. Horseshoes. Horseshoes. There it is. Mm, brilliant. <laughs> that sounds right. Shoes, Shoes for the horses. <laughs> like, help me out. Um, and he um, he just had a huge group of people come out to support him. A lot of his work sold, and it was really awesome to see. Just like the pride that he had. He's the first time hanger ever. Oh, so. wow. That's yeah. amazing. It was really cool. Really cool. And he also has a flag in there that weighs 300 pounds. It's like wrapped in Ooh. barbed wire. And um, he had a hard time immigrating over and getting his um, visa. Does he have his visa? No, his citizenship. So oh, sorry. Wow. So, um, so yeah, the symbolism of that flag was really quite beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah. So you have people who live in this building. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that is my next question. Mm, well, I don't know what your mind. question is, but um, <laughs> that was there, where I was gonna go next. Yeah. Are there rules for living here? Curfews? You have ever any? Don't be a dick. Yeah, artist <laughs> issues in the past. In the past, yeah, I'm not gonna talk about apartment. Because <laughs> uh, you're so, you're essentially a landlord. Yes. Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have a property management company that we hire to okay. so, like manage the compliance issues and. Um, there's a lot of like financial regulations when it comes to living in affordable housing that they have to apply for. So I don't want to see their W two nine fours like that. So we have them managing that. Um, so legally we can't require that they're artists, but because of what they live under kind of beeping alarm system and like smell of paint in the corner and the Capoeira class that's happening, we really attract the artist kind of, vibe and then it's called art share la it is called art share la (laughs) that helps yeah yeah thanks i I hadn't thought about that (laughs) um so once they come in they're in forever um if they want to be and yeah i mean we've totally had issues we have music like one person is a music producer with headphones and the other one's a music producer and she has like microphones and speakers and so they definitely have friction um they have shared bathrooms some of the units have a shared bathroom between the two so there's definitely like he doesn't keep his bathroom clean like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but what what we're creating is like community up there so they realize that this may be a temporary situation that they just kind of enjoy while they can enjoy for the good and the bad until they um, make it and move out or move out for other reasons. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 
quirky in some ways Mm -hmm. with a shared bathroom as an apartment and whatnot. But that's what's so cool about it. Yeah. I mean, what an experience. You're really forced uh, into getting close with your neighbors, which are not always have to be in other living situations exactly like it's true cohabitation Mm -hmm. which breeds cooperation and collaboration it reminds me a lot of like the dorms in college like yeah yeah and and they're paying less than like 30 percent of what people pay around to live in the arts district so they understand that um you know what they're getting for the value is pretty fabulous and they also are only working 20 to 30 hours maybe yeah. a, a week and <laughs> paying their rent and paying their expenses so they can like the majority of their time is in their apartment creating so they're together a lot more than i think they all anticipated yeah. mm. do they also is it an additional cost for like the studio space downstairs or is that just built in yeah so the studio space downstairs is totally separate from upstairs okay. um we we kind of run almost two different organizations in mm-hmm. a sense, but if anyone upstairs wants to access downstairs, we definitely work with them. Yeah. Um, but they're they have a really large common area that they're able to kind of dance in and create in if they want. So. That's really cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. fun up there. I wish it's not fame, uh-huh. but like in my mind, it's kind of fame. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like I wanna I wanna be dancing through the hallways up there. Yeah. It's fun. What's uh, the longest tenant that you've had? Has anyone been here 21 years or? No, not 21 years. I would say Carlos is probably our longest. Um, he's a Vietnam vet. Um, he's a historian. And if you go in his apartment, he will tell you a thousand stories about the war and about the neighborhood and just kind of give you that whole history. Um, we do have some success stories. Skrillex used to live here. What? And he, now he owns property in the neighborhood and, you know, has kind of done okay for himself. Um, and we have Ma- Madame Gandhi used to live here, who's an amazing feminist activist and singer. Um, so we've had some really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't been back. I need to call what? them. Yeah. Come on, they guys. Need them. Where you come back? <laughs> come to the gala. <laughs> May 30th, 6 to 9. We love 21st birthdays. Jello shots. Jello and pizza from Pizza Nista. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's amazing. What is um, your favorite kind of art? What's your favorite medium if, as a buyer or just personally, art share aside, your favorite? It's so hard. Um, so I'm probably <laughs> really boring. I'm probably okay. really boring. And actually, a friend of mine told me recently I was boring in one way or the other. Um, I love abstract. I love calm colors. Um, my house is curated so, like, yellow and beige with hints of black here and there. Yeah. And I think I really just need a calm environment when I go home. Uh-huh. Um, I love uh, lowbrow art is exciting, too. I definitely collect a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you know what that is? I don't. I think I might. Oh, please, Miss Art World, tell us what lowbrow art is. Um, so lowbrow, I think, uh-huh. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, oh. um, isn't it where you don't have an art education? It's almost like underground. I think um, so that is being dubbed as... The word is coming to me. In my mind, I tied lowbrow to underground art. <sighs> so it's kind of like poppy art. Like lowbrow is like, like pop kind of more poppy. Um, 
hard images, like behind you, the Becca pieces, she'd be considered lowbrow, even though her work has definitely been seen in more of highbrow okay. situations. It, um, yeah, it kind of has that... Um, I feel like it blurs the line between like a comic book or poppy... Mm-hmm. Um, not street art so much, mm-hmm. but almost like a simplistic, lots of bold, bright colors. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. I just Googled um, a um, self-taught artist, and one of the results is, why is Yoko Ono famous? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the great. Google. <laughs> oh, thanks, Google. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I love yeah. all arts. I actually... I thought I was going to, like, somehow end up in, like, the the performance side of art. Mm-hmm. I love vocals. I love beautiful singers. Not, lo- like, opera or classical, but just, like, beautiful, caring, deep voices. I just love, love that. I get goosebumps all the time. So I love That's popping amazing. into our, our um, theater and seeing some, some cool shit. Very cool. Yeah. Do you have any uh, creative outlets? That y- I I know you said you don't do art, but do you have a, another form of creativity that you? I suck so bad. Oh no, no. I don't. <laughs> Same so here. I yeah yeah. <laughs> like somebody yelled at me three years ago, and they were like, "Cheyenne, art share is the most creative outlet you have ever developed," and I was like, "Oh okay okay." And I, at that point, realized that I had vision. I didn't realize I had vision until, like, I turned around and was like, oh, shit, Archer, like, I meant that. Yeah. Like, I meant for these programs to do what they're doing and, like, hang art outside and do the, like, I I feel like that's my creative outlet is really just diving into this place and, um, and finding creative, unique ways to create opportunity for artists. Um, one of my fun outlets is calling the city of LA or calling like a contact that I know at the city and reminding them that they need to pay artists for their artwork that they apply to the street street crosswalk murals or if they're going to do tile work on a bench you have to pay the artist like I love advocating for artists that's a that's a fun outlet that I don't get paid for I don't think do the artists complain to you and then you're like okay let me call this no artists are the last ones to advocate for themselves (laughs) they are not they're like oh my god this would be so great here here take my art and I'm like no, 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 you need to sign this intellectual property agreement. You need to make sure that there's funding on there. Oh, what should I, what should I charge? What should I, well, what are you worth? Are you worth $15 an hour? Are you worth $80 an hour? Like, t- let's talk through this. So helping artists find their value, I think, is a huge part of my job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're such an important person to the art community because, like you were saying at the very beginning, where you kind of take their artistic thoughts and hone them into um, a way that they can communicate those artistic it's such an important um, skill that's rare and it's wonderful that you have an appreciation and you advocate for the artists and can understand them as well because I I feel like thank you a lot of people can't do that they can't well, figure out what the artist is and the professionals to say. don't take the artist serious if they can't put it in a linear 
way or in a spreadsheet situation. I've seen so many artists lose opportunities because they cannot articulate why the mural is going to cost X amount of money. And that kills me. And I hate having to be like the white professional female who's going to come in and save the day. Because believe you me, I have a lot of like large white men who are like, take me to the meeting. I will help yeah. you, honey. <laughs> like I see, like I see kind of what it does. But sometimes you need to speak their language in order to get the job and be found serious. And I see so many artists lose amazing opportunities for that. And they just, a lot of artists just get stuck in their head. And they get so overwhelmed that they can't press the submit button. Mm -hmm. um, my sister, Amanda, who's a couple years younger than me, growing up, she was as creative as anybody. And now she's a set designer um, for a lot of um, small theaters productions. She gets stuck in her head all the time, and she loses job opportunities all the time. And I feel like me fighting with her when I was a kid, like physically like picking her up and being yeah. like, Amanda, and like, throw, she would annoy <laughs> the hell out of me, helped me realize that, like, she just didn't have the same sort of brain-to-mouth connection that I did, whereas I was always told, like, Cheyenne, think before you speak. So I think she, like, I got the over-talk and she got the under-talk, and so I realized that I had to kind of help and counterbalance and help her be her own advocate. Mm -hmm. So I log into her email all the time and send email and proposals for her. And I think doing that for her and with her and empowering her, I realized that I could do that for a lot of artists. And I wish I had more time to do, you know, more of that mm -hmm. tactical one-on-one -on -one with artists. Um, so kind of off of that um, line of thought, um, when I was in grad school, there is a huge emphasis on getting in front of an audience and being able to speak about your work, mm -hmm. like critique groups every week. And it was basically make something and then you have to be able to talk about it. And I think that's such a disconnect with visual arts and artists because they struggle so much communicating yeah. what their artistic expression is. It, do you have any thoughts about that? I don't know if there was a question in there. No, it's, you're, you're so right. Like, and I, If you're drawing something that looks amazing, that's great. And yes, it can stand alone. But if you can't explain like the reason why, then then maybe it's not like then then you're missing a step. I feel like um, the artists who are hung in museums can say, okay, that came from 1950 protest, and this came from my father's, you know, closet, mm -hmm. and this connects to now because protesting with a tie is, you know, what whatever it is. But the conceptuality of all of that through line is really what art needs to say. Like art. Art has to be the voice for our world right now, especially because it's in such a weird place. We're, we're, artists are trying to interpret what's happening. And so if you're just painting a rendition of Donald Duck that doesn't have any reason for it, then you're not really helping. Mm -hmm. You're just creating something that goes on someone's wall you know, in their bathroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you're not answering a question or calling the world to question something, right? So mm -hmm. it's so important to be able to articulate your work. Yeah, and to, to have a, a reason why you are creating yeah. your work. But without leaving people behind. Mm -hmm. So many artists are gonna do this amazing thing and then forget to tell people who are lay people that are not connected to the art world, like, hey, come with me. 
let me show you why it's here and let me blow your mind. And if your mind is blown, let me tell you what you do with that blown mind. You don't just sit there and go, wow. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think it's hard because we hang so many artists a year. Majority of them are just, you know, creating amazing work because they need to, but they're, they're, I don't know, answering their own personal question when I think artists need to start there, answer your own personal question, but then start talking about society and start painting for society. And I think that makes like a good artist to a great artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree, agree with you. Completely. <laughs> and you guys have um, like educational development series that you offer here? So yes and no. Um, because we're so like tied to this free equitable system <laughs> that I demand here, my board demands, um, we haven't had a lot of success creating a tract because the speakers demand to be paid, which they should. Um, so we do one-off classes whenever we can. Whenever we have a little burst of funding, we'll bring in a speaker and talk about financial, um, sexy finances or, <laughs> oh. or neato taxes, like all the stuff taxes that artists do. Artists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you make taxes sexy? Yeah, right? <laughs> give, me a, give me a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a whiteboard. We can just okay. totally whiteboard the whole, whole idea. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think we really try, like, we do artist talks, we'll do um, conversations with CPAs or lawyers or intellectual property attorneys. And I think it's important for artists to understand how to advocate for themselves. And I realize that a lot of arts degrees do not come with that um, built-in business. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's important. How big is your board we have our board is 12 people okay. i believe right now yeah it's yeah it took a while to build a, a good board and we're always looking for new people and always excited to kind of bring a new new life to the board mm-hmm. yeah if someone's interested they reach out to you it's a little harder um boards board development takes a while like i met with someone about th- two months ago who I met through a friend and I was interested in having her kind of talk to me about it. And so we sat down about her values and my values. And I really want to make sure that person gets art shared so that they don't join a leadership position and starts to try and change it. Mm -hmm. So it takes, like she probably will not be sworn in if, if she goes through the vetting process until like November, December. So, and I've talked to people before like hey would you be interested let's start the discussion and that discussion has never come to anything but like a really great friendship or a really great like volunteer position um in on one of the committees um being on a board is like that's big deal like you are looking at the financials and making sure that the decisions i'm making monday through saturday are really in line with the future of the organization so speaking of the future of the organization yes (laughs) Where do you want to see ArtShare in 10 years from now? So it's interesting because ArtShare five years ago was so embedded in this community and the community is changing so drastically around us in positive ways and negative ways. I think if asked me that five years ago, I would have loved to see ArtShare truly, truly connected to the community and building programming and you know, just pouring art outside of our building. And I don't know if this neighborhood um, 
this neighborhood is just growing into something like you have the five-star restaurants down the street, you have the blue chip galleries, you have the upper echelon people moving in. The median income in this neighborhood right now is $150,000 a year. People who live here is around twenty-four, twenty-five thousand a year. So I really see this organization expanding and and spreading its reach outside of this neighborhood, so that we can impact other neighborhoods with our with our programming, and helping those artists who didn't realize they could be seen in a gallery, giving them that opportunity in different parts of Los Angeles County and maybe Southern California. Um, there are artists everywhere. And I don't think you have to live in this big urban city in order to access, you know, access mm -hmm. the walls and the exhibition space. So 10 years, I don't know. I'm, uh, that's a long time. It is. I'm tired. Sorry, that was a tough question. That yeah. was so tough. <laughs> what year is it in 20 year, 10 years? 29? 29. Okay, so 6th Street Bridge will be built. I mean, that's going to be crazy. It's going to be super crazy. There are going to be like, seven hotels in this neighborhood <laughs> hopefully there will be no cars in this neighborhood anymore because parking sucks mm. like it's true yeah it's gonna be hard los angeles is gonna be hard in 10 years are you gonna live here in 10 years in la yeah no <laughs> I don't where like are it. you going i don't like la at all oh <laughs> what lisa's not a city person we'll come to artist studios and it'll It'll smell and be gross, and I'd be like, "Yes, this is the best place ever." And Lisa's like, "Ew, uh, take no. me back to the beach." <laughs> Are you a country girl or a beach girl? I'm a, I, a little bit of both. Okay. I grew up by the beach, and then I, I lived in Oregon and Texas. Aww. And now I'm, I'm living the suburb life. I like, I like yeah. the city. LA's just so spread out. You know, I like this area. Yes. And then, but it's such a. I mean, LA's huge, and there's only like small hubs that are actually cool where you can walk out to a bunch of like bodegas and restaurants and have everything you want but you can't do that in suburban or beach cities yeah but like i don't really need it that's yeah. just like the only cool part of la right. besides that it's just a bunch of businesses it's it not always like blows me away when people from like ohio my yeah. husband's family's from ohio like, they're always like, oh, L.A., like, you have to drive everywhere. Yes. And I'm like, you have to drive everywhere in Ohio. This like, you need to go to Walmart. You have to drive over there. You need to go to Target. You have to go to the other side of the parking lot. But if you're in, like. You can't walk. Like, mm -hmm. if you're in New York or, like, when I was up in Portland, you could walk so many places. Yeah. It felt a lot cleaner. But do you like New York? Eh. See? I like Portland a lot. I <laughs> love Dallas. I like Dallas a lot. I like Dallas proper. Dallas? Okay. I've never been to Dallas. I've been oh wait, have I? Do I they have I really don't know. Amazing <laughs> like museums downtown? Uh, maybe. I'm gonna have to look. Do they have Lisa. an airport in the middle of the city? No. Oh, okay. Then I haven't been to Dallas. I've been to Houston. You've been to Houston? Yeah. Mm. I like Houston. Yeah. I was digging it. And I'm going um, next year mm -hmm. to go see a couple galleries and a couple artists. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah, I'm so excited. Like what's it, what's so cool about what's happened? Um, with gentrification, like the, the negative sides are, are rife, right? We could talk mm -hmm. for hours on it. But the positive sides are that our urban cities are becoming so populated and the small cities, which used to be flyover or like kind of forgotten, are becoming these amazing cultural hubs that need to be recognized, like St. Louis, yeah, St. Tennessee. Louis, St. Louis Art Festival is huge. Yeah, Minnesota. Like yeah. there are so many amazing things happening and it kind of all 
has spawned, I think, from at least what I've read, from arts districts, these kind mm-hmm. of abandoned warehousey neighborhoods that are then kind of transformed into art studio space that have, are then begetting these like amazing cultural hubs. Yeah. So absolutely. I hear you. Like thank you. And I don't I don't hate hate LA. I mean I kinda heard you say hey. I kinda I heard it. Yeah. I'll, I'll you explain this back. That? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Y'all I don't hate LA. It's just not my first choice. No, but that's okay. You can leave. Right? I can. Like, yeah. Like, LA is yeah. overpopulated. Yeah. So no one really wants me here anyway. Right. <laughs> it's, there's too many people. Exactly. I'll stick to the suburbs. You could you could go. Anytime you're ready to yeah. go, you're welcome to go. Thank you. I think LA is that one place no one's going to convince you, like, but, but, but. Exactly. They're like, no, 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 leave. Because then, like, the parking will be better or whatever. Yeah. And there are some really amazing places to go. My baby sister moved to North Carolina, like a yeah. super small town. I don't get it. Like, I do not get it. It's hard for me to even fathom it. But there's, like, there's a charm there yeah. for some people. And um, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy coming to L.A. My hate is I could never live in L.A. proper. Yeah. I have, I have, it's too claustrophobic. Yeah. I hear yeah. you. Like, downtown or, like, the suburbs of L.A.? I could do suburbs of L.A. Okay. Okay. Downtown is just, there's just a lot going on. Yeah. Downtown is, is a little crazy. And I respect those who do and like can do it. It's just a lot for me personally. Yeah. There's a lot of noise. Yeah. A lot of pollution. I like, I like silence at night. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Catherine's just like pure disappointment <laughs> at me. I, I love standing in the middle of like buildings and being like swallowed up by them. Like I love <laughs> the no. city of life. Should I call the Capoetic guys in here to like play? I love it. That would be right? amazing. I kind of want them we to We can like, wrap it. this up with some music. <laughs> First live music on our podcast. This is pretty cool. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How's it going? Jiu-jitsu, kung fu, like their art of war or war of war dance. That's amazing. Yeah. That was so cool. It's so beautiful. They've been here, I think, six years now, every Tuesday night from eight to nine. And wow. yeah, sometimes they have like five people in the class and sometimes there's 20 and they're just sweating and dancing around the theater. It's so, so fabulous. That's incredible. I love them. Thanks for sharing that with yeah, us. Yeah. Yeah. No, he um, lights up outside my office window. He'll kind of play as he walks up. Uh-huh. And one time I had to open the window. I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, I'm trying to write Grant. And he was like, okay, mama, I'm sorry. So ever since then, I've tried to be a little bit more temperate. What did he call you? Um, 
I think you just call me mama. Oh my god. <laughs> mama that your calm down. Here? No. Oh. <laughs> they used to call me mama shy, but that did not last very okay. long. No. No. I don't have any children, so you may not that. No, thanks. Um, did we cover everything? Do you want me to scream about like equity or like artists being fat? I don't know, anything. Or did we get everything? What, what Wait, about how did equity? you get I wanna know about your your title? How did you get Miss Worlds? I gave it to myself. I love it. <laughs> so um, I grew up doing beauty pageants. I kind of was born very feminine, mm-hmm. and I had a mother who wasn't. And so I said, hey, Mom, I want to do beauty pageants, and I want to be a cheerleader. And she was like, no, no, yeah. not at all. We're a feminist household. Go study. Wow. And I finally, uh, I think it was my dad actually that advocated, like, no, if she really wants to do this, let her do pageants. Yeah. And my first pageant was a Hawaiian Tropic pageant where you get up on stage and you just walk in your swimsuit, do a couple turns, and then they judge you. How old were you? I was probably 12. Nice. Um, And, you know, my mom went and put on very minimal makeup on me and was trying to support me, and she did a, a, a great job. But uh, so I did pageants up until my mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, and when I was in grad school, I had a professor say, "You know, you can't be a pageant girl and a feminist at hmm. the same time." Because I was working with feminist ideas in my artwork. Yeah, and he said you can't be both. You got to pick one or the other. Wow. And so for me, it was no. I am both. I. I see the problems within pageantry, but I also enjoy the makeup and the kind of pageant drag, yeah. as I say. And so um, the title really came after, I was trying to keep pageantry and my art separate. Mm-hmm. And I went and did a performance at Art Basel and people kept saying, oh, you're the pageant artist. Oh. You're the beauty queen artist. Yeah. And so I kind of said, well, I need. I should just embrace it and yeah. own who I am through my artwork. And instead of running in a title or in a pageant where someone gave me a title, where they judged me and said, okay, you're worthy. Yeah. I was just going to take ownership and use the Miss Art World to make feminist statements within my own artwork. I love it. Thanks. Good for you. Thanks. Own it. Yeah. It's been fun. I get to weird weird I get to wear, you know, weird clothing that I make. It's awesome. Uh, boob shirts and yeah. okay. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. The weirdest stuff. It's great. Good for you. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, and screw him for telling you you couldn't do two things. You can yep. be whoever you want. Yeah. I I think feminism is about like you said being who you are and I am very feminine and mm-hmm. I like makeup, but I um, think at my role as a feminist is to incorporate both mm-hmm. sides of it and not yeah. just say you have to choose something. Yeah. And you shouldn't have shame in, in one side or the other. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, so you're looking at Little Miss West Covina, um, 1989. Oh, Dang. girl! 87, 86, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I knew we were going to be friends. I you know. Yeah. yeah, I was, uh, I was once the reigning, um, <laughs> reigning title in my little town of Covina, and I got to ride 
in a convertible on the Christmas parade and wave and hair was big and fluffy and big dresses and yeah it was fantastic That's amazing. Were, I was a star for a year and yeah. my mom made sure to yeah hold me up on a pedestal it was lovely lovely I was a middle child so that soon came that's, crashing yeah. down to like <laughs> you know yeah. be humble and that's that's a whole nother side of me that I don't want to go into <laughs> I love you sisters I have three sisters so wow. oh I'll just stay I'll just <laughs> that's all I need yep. to say about that all right yeah that's, that's, that's really cool, super cool. That's yeah. amazing. Well, I love your title. I hope, yeah, I'm excited to follow you and see what all of your escapades Thank that you. come about. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, anything else? I I think we're good. Yeah. Right? Thank you so much yes. uh, for, uh, you know, writing me back. <laughs> <laughs> we send out so many uh, emails um, to people that we'd like to have on. And um, for some reason, we've had a hard time getting women to accept. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, so it, when you wrote me back, I was I ran to Lisa in our office and Aww. was like, she wrote me back. <laughs> we have to do it on Tuesday. Oh, you poor thing. So we were super excited to yeah, have no, you. Yeah, no, we were so excited. I mean, Aww. and this is such an incredible nonprofit, and you're doing incredible work and are such a role model. So thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us. Mm-hmm. We know you're crazy busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's nice to pause every once in a while and like hear it and like hear myself speak and hear the mission be put out there. So thank you for giving me the opportunity and the platform and good luck with this podcast. Thank Keep you. it going. Right. Big Ooh. fan. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. We love you guys. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.